Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Well, um, pleasure to be sharing uh, with you this morning. Um, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get into a bit of uh, teaching. I hope that's okay. Is that cool? All right. All right, so bear, bear with me and uh, please open up your Bibles uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 13 and um, I want to try and get this organized first. <laughs> I don't use technology either, um, just like Shane. I used to, don't know what happened. <laughs> I think I just like paper, uh, prefer paper, um, but it can be a little bit unorganized here. So let's just uh, bear with me. So look, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, I want to continue on, uh, we're going to continue on with the series, uh, gifted series that we've been doing in the morning and evening services, and uh, looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is um, a powerful, powerful teaching that is, that is um, very clear in Scripture, where Paul writes in Corinthians, uh, chapter 12, 13, and 14, and other parts of the Bible, where we see, and, and, and we see Acts, uh, we see the gifts in operation, and I just love how, how um, God has put this together for us to look, for us to see um, 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 the, 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 the way to use it, how not to use the gifts, the purpose of the gifts, and what to focus on. Amen? And uh, we, we know from weeks prior that the main focus or the overarching um, um, focus is, is love. Now, Shane, Pastor Shane preached uh, a message a couple of weeks ago on love, and he started in, verse, in chapter 13, and uh, I want to pick up from that in, uh, in verse 8, but what I'm going to do, I might just read through verse 1, chapter 13, verse 1, I'll read through, and then we'll pick up verse 8. So, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noising gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but do not love, I am nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love, is, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And now we want to pick up on verse 8. Love never ends. Amen. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we now, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, the message, this, this series. And, um, and Father, I ask that you would use me as a, as a vessel, as a mouthpiece to, be, to, to, to teach. And, um, and I ask that everyone in here will have open hearts to receive your word. I also pray, Father, that if there be any people in here who do not know you, that they will be born again. Father God, that you would do such a work in their hearts, Holy Spirit, that you would draw them unto yourself, that they may rejoice and respond in faith to you. And it is a fabulous, amazing miracle. And I pray that we continue to see that miracle happen every week, every day, Father God, and use us to be able to deliver your word so that people may respond. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I love this, this, um, this chapter in, in Corinthians. And because um, we see that, you know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, because the Corinthians were using the gifts, um, but they were, they were emphasizing gifts that they shouldn't have emphasized too much to the point where it was abusing the gifts. And so, so Paul comes in and says, in a corrective way, I want you to focus on something. I want you to focus on the fact that it's love. Love is the overarching thing that we need to um, have, when we, have when we use the gifts. It's love. Love is what binds everything together. So I want you, as, as we look through this this morning, know and understand that it is love. So the very point here, it's very simple. All spiritual, all spiritual gifts are for this life only and will at some point in the future end, terminate. But love is permanent. Love is permanent. The title of the message this morning is called The Permanence of Love. Love is eternal. Love never ends. That's why love is superior to gifts and why gifts exercised without love are worthless. This is very, very important for us. So we know that love never ends. Love never dies. Love is never defeated. Love never collapses. The lo this love continues through death to, to eternity. This love is the love of God. This love that we're talking about is when Shane, Shane talked about the different types of love. I'm not going to touch on that. But this is a type of love. It's called the agape love. The agape love. Agape love, which God is calling us to have and to love one another with this kind of love. This is a tremendous love. This is crazy love. This love, the world cannot love like this. In fact... You and I cannot love this way unless God enables us with it in our heart. God empowers us and, and, and does a mighty miracle work in our heart to love like this. It is not something that we can muster up. It is not a love that, we, that the world has. It is not a love that we have by default. It is a love, it is a supernatural love by the work of God that He works in our hearts. And He calls all of us who are in Christ to love this way. 
So, this means that we must depend on Him in order to love like this. We can't depend on ourselves. That's very important. You can't muster up the strength to love someone like this. It's impossible. It's a love that comes from God. It's a supernatural love. Look at this definition of love. Love is a deep affection for, a delight in, and a commitment to act for the welfare of another without regard for their loveliness that often comes at great sacrifice to oneself. Or again, love is the overflow of our delight in God that joyfully cherishes and seeks the best interests of another regardless of the cost to oneself. This love is crazy love. It's an amazing love. Just want to rest there and just just realize the fact that it's a love out of this world. It is actually the love which we're loved. Jesus Christ loved the world. And he gave himself for the world. That everyone who believes in him will be saved, will have eternal life. And if this is the love, this is the love that God loves us with, it it, it changes us. I mean, anyone here who is a Christian, which is probably most of us, would know that your, your life has changed because of the love of God, correct? So this, this, this love is not just an ordinary love. It's not a phileo love or philia love. It's not that type of love, brotherly love. It's not that type of love. It is a gape love. And, have a, and this is the kind of love, again, that I'm emphasizing, and I want to emphasize is the fact that we are called to love like this just like one of the prophetic words was this morning uh, from John 13. It says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. That's how you'll know that you are his disciples. Amen. Now have a look at this, uh, this quote. I want to show you this quote here from John Piper. It says this, It is an absolutely staggering commandment. This kind of love seems to demand that I tear the skin off my body and wrap it around another person so that I feel that I am that other person. And all the longings that I have for my own safety and health and success and happiness, I now feel for that other person as though he were me. If this is what it means, then something unbelievably powerful and earth-shaking and reconstructing and overturning and unpending will have to happen in our souls. Something supernatural, something well beyond what self-preserving, self-enhancing, self-exalting, self-esteeming, self-advancing human beings like us can do on our own. This is crazy love. (laughs) So we must depend on God and, and open up our hearts and open up our hands to Him and say, God, I know I cannot love like this, although I'm commanded to, but I open up my hands and I am in absolute surrendered to you, surrender to you, that I can then be able to love my neighbor like you're calling me to love. It is crazy love. So we must depend on him.
Is that absolutely and utterly clear? Because it is with this foundation that I want to then move on to the teaching. I only got 15 minutes. Lord, help me. In contrast to this uh, imperishable nature of love, Paul says that these gifts, right, are destined to come to an end. So verse 8 says this, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. Now, this is a very, very, very interesting portion of the text. Uh, and unfortunately, there are debates about uh, what these verses tell us concerning when the spiritual gifts will end. And uh, that's what I want to sort of briefly touch on and look at and teach on. And uh, we want to see um, that Paul never intends this passage to, to, to bring us into arguments as to when the gifts will end. Um, unfortunately, it does raise those questions. Uh, but at the end, he, he does this to emphasize that love will never end. He brings this to point to light that love actually will never end. Although prophecies will end, although tongues will end, and they will cease. But love never fails. No, love never ends. Um, he brings that to a point. So everything else may fall by the, by the wayside, um, but love will not. So this brings up the, 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 the theological or, or the doctrinal um, debate between the cessationists and the continuationists. Now, I know they're big words, but I want to have a look at what that means. Uh, because this text is a, is a very um, confused text. Um, often used by those who don't believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation today, and they use this text to say that you see here, you know, um, tongues, they will cease. They have ceased because the perfect has come. So we're going to have a look at this, and uh, we're going to have a look at what is a cessationist and what is a continuationist. Now, I know they're big words, but let's have a look. Cessationism is this. It is the view that the miracle gifts of tongues and healing have ceased. Most cessationists believe that while God can and still does perform miracles today, the Holy Spirit no longer uses individuals to perform miraculous signs. Continuationist is a belief that um, spiritual gifts, including healings, tongues, and miracles, are still in operation today, just as they were in the days of the early church. A continuationist, believe, uh, a continuationist believes that the spiritual gifts have continued and abated since the day of Pentecost. So, uh, as you probably all know, <laughs> we are a church that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation today. Um, I, that is my personal conviction as well. Um, but it, can I say, in saying that, I, wanna, I really want to make a statement here that's very important, that um, we have brothers and sisters in the faith. Now, I'm talking about the broader church, okay? Not just this church. We have brothers and sisters in the faith, who do not believe this. But we must be careful not to ever look at these people as second-grade Christians. Amen? Because they are brothers and sisters. That's their conviction. <laughs> right? Their conviction is that when they read texts like this, or when they read other verses of Scripture, because there are others, don't have time for that. But they see... And, and, and they see that, yeah, I'm convinced and I'm convinced that the gifts are not in operation today. We should never, we should never look at these Christians as second grade Christians or as Christians who don't have the Holy Spirit. That is absurd. In fact, I used to think like this. 
the reason why I can confidently talk like this because I was one of those people. Uh, and it, yeah, I was one of those people who, who uh, foolishly and, um, and who used to think that, you know, Christians who didn't speak in tongues or who didn't do, who didn't do miracles or who didn't prophesy, well, they really didn't have the Holy Spirit. And that is wrong. And we must repent of that. Amen? That is wrong. Because no one can get saved without the Holy Spirit. No one can be saved without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 9 is very clear that anyone who does not have the Holy Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. So we know that anyone who belongs to Christ has the Holy Spirit within them. Now you can call that whatever you want to call it when someone is born again. Uh, they, they are indwelt with the Holy Spirit at the point of conversion. Some people call that baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can call it baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some people call it the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Some people, it doesn't matter about terminology. We just know that it actually is what it is. <laughs> the person who is born again at, the, at, at conversion, they do have the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that drew them in the first place. And it's the Holy Spirit who does the work of regeneration in their heart. Amen? And, it, and then abides in them. So, we must be careful not to look at those brothers and sisters who do not have the gifts and who do not operate in the gift as, yeah, second grade Christians. Because, why? We must always, always love. We must always be people who are loving our brother and sisters in Christ, especially, right? Who, who we are, we are uh, uh, helping them in their faith, strengthening their faith, not putting them down because they believe different doctrines than us. Amen? So we must join hands together and say we are in this together. Although I might not agree with you 100% in this doctrine, it's okay, we can walk together in unity. Why? Because of this, I want to illustrate very quickly with this diagram. There are essential doctrines and then there are peripheral doctrines. The essential doctrines are what is, um, well, they're, they're the absolute doctrines. The doctrines that are absolute are non-negotiable doctrines, right? And we know we can walk with people who agree in these absolutes. The absolute or non-negotiable doctrines will be and can include the fact that the Word of God is inerrant. It's infallible. It's the Word of God. That is a non-negotiable doctrine. You can't negotiate on that. This is the Word of God. Amen. The fact of the virgin birth. Right? The triune Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Non-negotiable. It's clear in Scripture. Um, the fact of the deity of Jesus Christ. That's a non-negotiable doctrine, people. That is a non-negotiable doctrine. And if we have people who want to negotiate on this, which there are, we cannot walk together in unity. In fact, we must divide to preserve the truth. We must, we must walk in unity where possible, but not when it breaks, uh, when it, when it um, breaks truth. When it, when it impedes on truth. For example, the, the, um, the, church, the, um, 
Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. They don't believe that Jesus Christ was, was, was God and that he was 100% human, 100% God. And if he ceases to be God, we cease to have salvation. So we cannot walk in unity with the Jehovah's Witnesses because they don't believe in this such a fundamental Christianity doctrine. So we must divide. It's unfortunate, but we must divide in that doctrine, right? doesn't mean that we can't have them over for dinner and preach the gospel. Amen? Amen? Ring them up. Ring them up. <laughs> you know what? I love it when they come to the door. If, but the thing is, they don't come to my door anymore. They've marked my house. They do that. But they, we, we would have a conversation, and I would talk to them, and, and I, you know, really in a nice way, right? I mean, Cassie knows. My wife knows. And they're like, yeah, they're your friends out there again, hon. Look, but they don't come to the house anymore. And, um, and, and I would converse with them, and then I would start talking about, you know, the fact that, you know, I'm a Christian. And they're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And then we'd start talking, and then, and then, um, and, and then we, we eventually talk about Jesus. <laughs> um, and then I'd talk to them about the fact that, you know, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, well, we don't believe the cross. It's, it was a stake, but nevertheless. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? That Jesus was God. Oh. Hold on a second. <laughs> well, and, and I'm like, we, we, you can go all day, but the thing is this. The thing is this. You can preach the gospel to these people because out of the love that you have for them, you cannot walk in unity with them, though, in their doctrine. And then you have the, so we've got the absolutes, then you've got your convictions, while they're not the core beliefs, they may have significant impacts on the health and the effectiveness of the church. These could be and may be the modes of baptism. Some believe in infant baptism. Some believe in uh, believer's baptism. Now, this has divided people and, and the churches, and, and you know what, and it has, and it's just the way it is. But the thing is, they still believe the core things. Some people, I mean, you've got, uh, I think it's the Presbyterians, I think, who believe that, 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 that in infant baptism. But we can still walk in unity with them because they believe in Jesus Christ. They believe that He is our Savior and here uh, he, he, they believe the core doctrines. Amen? So, and then another thing, uh, perhaps this area that we're talking about could be in convictions. The fact that some people are cessationists and some people are continuationists. Some pe people believe in the gifts, some people don't. But we can still walk as brothers and sisters. Amen? Some, uh, this, the other thing is, is opinions. These are less clearer issues in the, t in, 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 in the Bible and that generally are not worth dividing over. And so these, these can be um, eschatology, which is the study of end times, Right, uh, some people differ over that, and and you know you got you know the amenialists, uh, you got the premillennial, and then the postmillennial, and 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 and, and, and does, does it really matter? <laughs> like, I, I mean, some people can really get caught up in this, but it's okay. We, I'm sure there's amenialists in this place, and I'm sure there's going to be postmillennialists in this place as well, but we can walk together, yeah. amen. And then you've got questions. So questions perhaps over the Sabbath or questions regarding uh, dress modes or worship modes. 
you know, they're are things that you know. It's unfortunately, yeah, some people still divide over. Um, but in saying that, I want to make that point. <laughs> that was a bit of a rabbit trail, but I want to make that point that we can walk with people in unity, even if they are not operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and even if they think and believe that they have ceased. But I want to make the case, and in my conviction, I don't believe they have ceased, and this is the conviction of our church as well. Now, I want to prove, now I can just say that, and I say that it's true, but it's always good when you want to make a point of doctrine to use Scripture to back it up. Amen? Always. <laughs> and if there isn't, Go home, search it out yourself, and be a good Berean. Amen? So, have a look at verse 13. I want to have a look at how we can understand the text. Because, and I've got two minutes, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Will you forgive me if I'm five minutes behind? Okay, all right. So, Paul clearly uh, declares that when the perfect comes, that's when the spiritual gifts will, will die off. Do we understand or do we know that? When the perfect comes, the spiritual gifts, such as prophecy and tongues, will pass away. The question is, when or what is the perfect? Verse 9, we know, we now know in part and we prophesy in part. So the perfect, uh, it can be, where the cessationist believes that the perfect is the completed canon of Scripture. Um, others believe that, who are also cessationists, believe that it's the maturity of the church. Um, but the perfect here, um, I believe, is meaning the second coming of Jesus Christ and that state of affairs that brought about, brings about the second coming. Now, I want to be able to illustrate that through the text because there are, <laughs> what's at stake here is that if you believe that the perfect refers to the finishing of the New Testament, then the, the gifts are no longer for today. But if you believe that the perfect is the second coming of Jesus Christ, well, that hasn't happened yet. So the gifts are still in operation. Okay. So, in verse 11, Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Paul compares the experience of partial prophecy and knowledge to the experience of childhood. So we know today that we don't know everything. And everyone said, Amen. We don't know everything. We only know in part. We know in part. We prophesy in part. We don't know everything now, okay? And so what is Paul doing? He's making an illustration that we're like children still. It's okay. We're children in this regards, in this illustration, okay? In this illustration that Paul is using, right? And, uh, and he compares it. So, and also, it goes on to say in verse 12, in first part of verse 12, for now, for now, which is during the present church age here, before the arrival of the perfect, right, we see in a mirror dimly. Now, mirrors back then weren't mirrors like ours today. They were actually like polished, um, polished uh, brass or polished, um, you know, metals. And people would look at their reflection and it wasn't clear. Today, our mirrors are perfect. Right? And if Shane was here, if Shane was here, he'd be so envious right now. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, he'd be laughing. Anyway, and uh, so we see uh, 
for now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then when the perfect comes, we will see face to face. The words face to face in standard biblical language is for the appearance of a human being in the immediate presence of God, right? That, that, that is beholding him in an uninterrupted, unmediated way, face to face. Paul has in mind direct personal communication such that awaits for us in the second coming. So here Paul is describing when the perfect comes, we see God face to face and we will know even as we have been fully known. So then, and, and not until then, will the spiritual gifts cease. Because why would you need prophecy in heaven? Why will you need to speak in tongues when you're in heaven? You're in the presence of God. You know. Now, we're not going to be omniscient like God is all-knowing, but we will know God fully as He has known us. Wow. Wow. Second half of verse 12. I'm going to go quick. Now I know in part, and then... When? When the perfect comes, I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. This means that we will be free from the misconceptions and distortions associated with this life. Now this is a contrast, um, now this is a contrast before and after the New Testament, or before and after the second coming. We see that Paul is trying to differentiate, uh, trying to illustrate the fact that when, this, when Christ returns, we will not need spiritual gifts. We will not need it. But the underlying factor is that love will always be there. Love will be permanent. Love is permanent. Love will always be there. We won't need prophecies. And, 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 and I mean, everyone's going to be healed. Amen. Uh, we don't need to be healing people in heaven. Um, we don't need to speak in tongues in heaven, but we will, we will be there with Christ. We will see Him. We'll be with Him. Can you imagine that? That's amazing. So the conclusion will be that Paul is saying that prophecies and tongues will pass away, not when the New Testament is complete, because I don't know about you, but although we have the New Testament here today, I am not all-knowing. And as much as I read my Bible, I don't think I could ever get to a point when I'm all-knowing, even though I have the full canon of Scripture. <laughs> Can anyone else? <laughs> uh, no. So I believe in my conviction as well as I know that this is church, and their conviction is that it is the second coming of Christ, the perfect. He hasn't come yet. We await his second coming. Therefore, the conclusion is that the gifts are still in operation today. The gifts are still in operation. That's what this is. This is. It makes a difference for us today, because. Um, actually, I'm, I'm going to flip through. I'm running out of time. I'm not going <laughs> to. Oh dear! Wow. Verse 13 says this, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The Corinthians were focusing on tongues and prophecies and knowledge, but Paul centers their attention on faith, hope, and love. Um, focus your attention 
on that. That is what the most important thing is. Amen. Because the problem was in Corinth wasn't that um, um, it wasn't the spiritual gifts. It was that they were immature in using the spiritual gifts. They were immature. It doesn't mean we throw out the gifts. It doesn't mean that, you know, because people have... And this is the thing. Can I just also say that, you know, I mean, we've all seen it. We've all seen the abuses, especially in the Pentecostal charismatic movement that we are in. We have all seen the abuse of prophecy. I have received weird prophecies before. We've all seen the abuse of tongues and healings. We've all seen that. But it doesn't mean that we throw it away. Because some people use it badly, doesn't mean we throw everything and baby out with bathwater. Amen? We need to know what to do. And in love, in love, in love. Not in pride, not in, 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 in foolishness, and not in trying to demonstrate something so that people can come and, and see you. In love. In love. Amen? In love. So, I want to finish up by just having a look at chapter 14, verse 1, because this, this is beautiful. I know we touched on it, but look at this. Make love your aim. <laughs> Make love your aim and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Is that Paul is saying... <laughs> Don't, don't, don't neglect this. Don't neglect this, but what's this? Make love your aim. That must be our aim. Our aim is to love. But you know what? Make loving, make loving, make the aim your love. You know, God is love. Make your aim to look to Christ because he's love. And then you'll be loving. You will love the way he calls us to love. I know I can't I don't love like that every day. Ask my wife. I don't love perfectly every day. Ask my children. Because we're still in this flesh. By this all people will know that you are my disciples. In John 13. Ready? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you prophesy and speak in tongues and heal the sick and teach in power and conviction. <laughs> no, that's not what it says. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen? If the band can come up, that'd be great. This love is permanent. And um, I know there was a lot in there and sort of trying to process it all. But the main thing is this. Paul makes this illustration to say that love will never end. When we are in heaven, we will, f we will know God in such an intimate way that we should now desire and 
feel his love and love like that it's amazing and um and and when we understand the gospel when we understand that what Jesus has done for us in our place and he substituted himself on the cross which on the cross what happened was amazing we didn't deserve it but what he in his perfection substituted his perfection his righteousness gave it to us and our sin on him that's love that is selfless love and i want you to to just just ponder on the fact that love is permanent and the love of god is amazing and if you're in this place and you're in your sin you love your sin but the truth is that one day we all will stand before god and if we don't have his righteousness will be departed forever away from his presence but if we have his righteousness if we are covered in his blood we will be accepted into the presence of god i want to be in the presence of god and if you're in here and 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 you're not a christian you don't you're not born again the bible says be born again that that's literally what it means it's like your new life it's new recreated in him it's a miracle would you respond this morning can i pray for you and i'll give you that opportunity as we stand right now and you can you can come and i can pray for you at any point between now and when we and 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 whenever but I just want to pray for us, for us all as we, as we begin to, to sing. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you, God, that you have given us gifts to minister to others for the equipping of the church. God, you have called us to pursue love and desire to prophesy and desire spiritual gifts. So God, may we desire them, but may we pursue love first and foremost because that is what you've told us and asked us to do. We want to be obedient to your word. And God, again, if if there are people in here that you are drawing, may they respond right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.